Welcome to the Martial Mind Power Podcast, where you discover how to cultivate self-mastery towards your self-realization, inspired by martial arts and philosophy. When you get to black belt, that's when you start to express yourself artistically. So what does that mean? Well, that means what are you drawing, right? What are you painting? The quote that we use on the back of our school t-shirts is the art of fighting without fighting. The highest form of fighting is love. Therefore, it's not to fight, but to dissolve and dispel aggression and conflict peacefully and lovingly. I always like to think that, you know, if we can be more like Mr. Miyagi rather than, you know, uh, John Sensei, you know, we could uh, <clears throat> we could actually um, really change the world. Welcome to another Martial Mind Power podcast. I'm Jitinda Palha with Sifu Lakloi. Sifu, how are you doing? I'm doing really good, thank you. Very good, very good. Very excited for this podcast today. Absolutely. So I'm good, thank you. I'm good. And um, yeah, you want to do something a little bit different. And instead of our usual book, we're going to go to the original truth this time. And uh, I believe it's page 27, I think you wanted to go over or... 28? 29, 29, 29, sorry, 29. So, so this is actually a special chapter that um, I uh, I shared with my uh, class yesterday. Uh, mm-hmm. And the reason I shared it with the class yesterday is because um, uh, on the weekend, previous weekend, we had a uh, large grading, a lot of students graded. And amongst those gradees were two students that were going for their black belt. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, there's a whole thing about the whole black belt um, uh, conception, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And this chapter on page 29 of, uh, of the book, Original Truth, is called Full, Full of, of Emptiness. Yeah. Hey. Right. And below that, what did it say? The true meaning of a black belt. All right. Yes, exactly. The true meaning of a black belt. So uh, mm. what I wanted to do was I wanted to uh, go through this chapter uh, and really share the the depths of the true meaning of a, of a black belt and what relevance has that got to full of emptiness, you know, as this mm-hmm. uh, chapter title, you know, for this. So I thought let's 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 start. Let's start to explore that today. But we're going to do this in a bit of a exploratory way where I'll ask you some questions and um, see what you come up with. And I'll um, reveal the the underlying uh, truths behind that, you know? Cool. So the first section is, is titled Myths and Ancestral Secrets of the Black Belt. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So when you think of a, a black belt, right? Uh, I, I guess uh, the first question to ask really is, what do you think? What comes to mind when you think about black belt? So this is this is uh, an interesting one because when I used to do martial arts and uh, when I was doing jiu-jitsu, um, I remember this conversation with uh, my sensei at the time. And uh, so I just got my black belt. And uh, we sat down, you know, at the beginning of the front of the dojo. And um, 
he asked a similar question. He said he was talking about belts and all this kind of thing. And he said, now that you've got your black belt, what does that mean for you? And I sat there and I went, um, I, I'm not 100% sure. I said, I don't know. I mean, it's like, it's like, you know, I've reached a certain level, but yet there's still so much to learn kind of thing. And it's like, I'm not sure. And he said, exactly. He said, black belt is confusion, right? <laughs> and I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, he said, um, it's like you, you've gone through all the colors, right? And now you've got to a state of almost like, um, what's the word he used? He said, it's almost like a state of what are you going to do next? What are you going to do with it now? Right? Yeah. That, you you know, you've hit a milestone. Um, how, you know, and, and what do you do with it? And he goes, from now onwards, it's just about mastering and honing your skills. So when you say, what does a black belt mean to me? I suppose that's what comes to my mind because that, the way he said it at the time really hit home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like this is just the beginning. Yeah. That's how it felt like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So um, yeah, that's what comes from comes to me. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. So I uh, would the, the 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 space I want to actually kind of like uh explore in in this question is really the the positive uh perception and the negative mm of a black belt what you're saying is actually spot on right mm. and like starts to stir the emotions and ideas around uh, the meaning of a black belt and uh, how individuals are interpreting that and now mm. in the wider sphere of uh, uh, understanding a black belt there's there's really two aspects to it number one is mystique okay and this is really the, the the positive side of things and that is you know where it's black belt is full of charisma is glamorous there's a romance about it you know there's a, a nostalgia about it there's a mystery a fascination uh a magic mm. if it be uh a charm an appeal an allure a, a, a state of awe or even awesomeness yeah um and then there's a flip side and the flip side is the negative side. And that is, which is what I would say is shrouded in skepticism, right? Mm. Filled with doubt, distrust, suspicion, disbelief, and pessimism as in like, really, you're really a black mm. belt. Mm -hmm. you know, what makes you a black belt? Why are you so good? Kind of thing, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so these, these are the kind of like the, opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to black belt level right yeah we'll talk about what that level means uh, in due course right so um so this is kind of like starting to uh, encroach on that space and what we're going to do throughout this um podcast is start to bust the myth uh, mm -hmm. around those things and really help you understand the true essence of what it is. So um, let me ask you another next question here. Where do you think the black belt was born? How Where did was that idea come about? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I, th I think it was probably... Um, so I think it's ancient, right? In the sense of, you know, you got the master and the student, right? You got a form of kind of training that goes on. And um, 
I think when it, I think how it came about, and I'm not 100% sure, but I think it was that initially there were no belts because the students used to learn direct from their master, for example. But as those classes got bigger and bigger, it became harder to distinguish like who's new, who's old, who knows where they are and stuff. So they had to create a sort of formal hierarchy. Yeah. And one of the ways to measure that was like a grading, like a belting system, just yeah. though they know who the advanced students are versus who the not so advanced students are. Yeah, yeah. I think that's how it came about. 100%. You're spot right. on. But so here's the next thing. Well, you said ancient, right? Or traditionally, right? So how long ago do you think that was? Ooh. Interesting. Yeah, and I mean, um, I mean, you can go down to years, you know, the actual years if you want. I uh, That's a very... Uh, dude, this must be really old, man. Um, I mean, it must be like near, near the beginning of martial arts, to, probably to something. I don't know when that came about. Uh, that'd be quite interesting to find out. Um, but I would imagine... Yeah, I would imagine quite early on when actually it started becoming a bit more mainstream in that kind of era, maybe. Okay, that's this, and and what what does mainstream? When does mainstream start? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question as well. Um, I'm I'm gonna say probably 1900s. 1900s. Yeah, oh, yeah I, I, I tell you, I, mainstream wise because yeah, okay, okay, because I. Yeah, <laughs> the Marsha has been around for a very long time. Yeah. Um, but I also know that they used to be very secretive and it was very tight, knit, closed kind of community kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and you used to have masters, you used to fight with masters and the students, all that kind of thing. Yeah. But then as time went by, that started to kind of grow. And I think that was probably the 19 somethings. I don't know. You're actually very close. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> very close right yeah so in the mid 1880s oh. the, founder, the founder of judo Jigoro Kano yeah. came up with this idea that you know his classes exactly as you said they were getting a bit big so you had you had experienced students and you had you know beginners and intermediates as well and he wanted to try and gauge without having to, you know, think too hard about it, you know, what level people were at. Mm-hmm. So originally, um, um, originally, this idea, he was inspired from a local swimming group that he used to go to, hey. right? So the actual grading system came from a s- swimming grading s- scheme that they had. Right. Oh wow! So he implemented uh, white belts and black belts. Right. So the white belts uh, are, are is what's referred to as mudansha, uh, and uh, the black belts represented yudansha. So the white color represents simplicity, purity, emptiness, and it, you being at the beginning of this martial journey, um, and then black representing you being filled with knowledge. Now. Mm. We're going to talk about full of emptiness so we're going to kind of also kind of dispel that as well but just to give you an idea it was not till later that um, um black belts started being embellished with red stripes and then the red stripes uh the black belts with red stripes were completely replaced by red belts later on okay right. um, there are some arts that actually um 
when you get to the highest level, uh, will eventually replace the belt, even though they say red belt, which is something where in, in judo, for instance, is um, uh, affiliated uh, with people that are on ninth dan or over. Um, in some s- systems, they go back to white. So you start with white and go back to white. And this mm-hmm. Really, which is kind of the mantra for Jeet Kune Do, where where, Jeet, uh, where Bruce Lee talked about this idea of um, uh, the three stages of learning: the stage of partiality, which is what he called the running to extreme, which is where you you're becoming aware of the things you don't know, so you've got um, unconscious. Uh, incompetence and conscious incompetence then you go into fluidity which is the uh, two halves of one whole where you start to cultivate your techniques and you and you get into um, uh, conscious competence and then eventually you go into emptiness which is the formless form where you're now unconsciously competent and you basically second nature right yeah. So slowly we're starting to get to the the conclusion on that. So there are so in in the in the um, in Jikano, for instance, although it's not represented by a colored belt, ultimately if white represents emptiness, right, and your end state is emptiness, you end up at white. Technically, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so we just wanted to kind of put that into into the mix as well. Um, so. Um, it's like completing the cycle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Now, you're, the next section really talks about the origins of the black belt. Now, mm. you've, you've actually already mentioned um, the origins in a way where you started talking about uh, how different clans uh, used to you know, have protect their secrets and uh, fight with each other, especially where you had like instructors, um, um protecting their clans and having these, you know, battles between or even wars between each each clan's secret styles. <laughs> exactly. And and this is where this is where, you know, it is it, traditionally um, martial arts were used to protect families or protect your your clans, you know, especially in, in barbaric uh times. And um the clans would protect the their martial arts secrets so they wouldn't want anybody else knowing about it uh because they'd want to uh use their combative advantages whether it's you know their structure the uh, biomechanical efficiencies over some other clans uh, system or style whatever you want to call it monkey style versus snake style or something yeah, right exactly. <laughs> And, and 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 although they weren't looking to um they might have been looking to better other clans or to overtake other clans or they were just protecting their clans you know yeah. uh so either way um that was an innate part of it and uh when a new um new new student or a new uh member was initiated there would be an initiation ceremony where the new initiate would be uh would undergo uh a ceremony an initiation ceremony which is almost uh um you know uh, which is symbolic of being brought into the family um and formal acceptance of that and also a formal submission to the teacher Okay, yeah, so there's like a loyalty and a bond, right? Absolutely, 
one hundred percent. And over time, the the initiate or student would be aggressed for the would be assessed for their progression through cultivating skills and knowledge, growth and proficiency, hard work and perseverance, justice and fairness, courage and indomitable spirit, mercy and forgiveness, politeness and respect, honesty and sincerity, honor and integrity, loyalty and dedication, as you mentioned, character and self control. And finally, self mastery, right? And the idea would be that um, they would then go through the different stages of the the martial arts system, and eventually reach reaching Chodan, uh, which is the first degree black belt and beyond. Okay. Um, so, next question is: Do you know what the meaning of a sensei is? So, for my understanding, is teacher guide. Yeah. You know? yeah. And and um, that is. That is the general general uh, meaning of uh, sensei or sifu or shifu, uh, depending if his Cantonese or Mandarin pronunciation. Okay. Um, so in Japan, sensei means one before or twice born. Now, this got two levels of understanding on this. One's on a physical level where it refers to somebody that's got more age and experience. Yeah. And then the spiritual level is actually a, a reference to the actual two Japanese characters that make up that word. And it literally means one who has been before, right? So that's the first part of it, or somebody that's filled with ancestral spirit. So this uh-huh. is wisdom that's been passed on, right? So that's kind of quite a profound meaning of what sensei is. Um, so it's, uh, it's useful to kind of, understand that when you're uh, submitting uh, and surrendering yourself to a teacher, uh, number one, that you do your due diligence to make sure that that teacher is of sound mind character uh, and is aligned with the virtues, values that you're seeking. Uh, hopefully those virtues and values are of a high, the highest level, level of consciousness uh, and that will help align you to your true authentic higher self and your original truth, and therefore the source. Because ultimately, the there's about body, it's about mind, and it's about spirit. Now, if some of those elements are missing, then you're not going to be a complete martial artist because how can uh, an instructor or a, a sifu or a sensei that hasn't got it give it to you? It's impossible. You're not going to get it. You can only You can only give something that you've already got so you must seek those qualities within your sensei for say for instance right so um, is um sorry so is that um that bit you talk about the reborn thing or them again uh, it's, it's almost like could you say it's like almost like the enlightenment stage where they've come to some greater understanding so it's almost like you know that they're gone they, they were just normal and now they're not cut one you know that's a bit using weird words there but they like get to a stage where they've got the awakening now so yeah. it's almost like actually waking up now. One hundred percent. I mean, that's the that would be your ideal uh, instructor. Mm. Somebody that's had a spiritual uh, awakening, uh, potential spiritual enlightenment uh, that understands that. So that's you know somebody that understands that, uh, but doesn't act in that space is still not quite there. Now everybody's on a journey, so you know. If you're at the level of physical cultivation and you find yourself a sensei that's at the physical level cultivation stage, that's fine. They'll, that person will be able to give you that, okay? But as you start to transcend and grow, you're going to have to seek somebody of higher 
consciousness state that can help guide you towards that. You know, somebody that doesn't know where they are, where they're going, can't help you find uh, your path forwards. Somebody that's already there is the person that you need to discover and then have that person guide you towards that, right? And Mm -hmm. seek that in yourself. Um, and this is ultimately what where we're talking about. So, uh, you you know, not all martial arts instructors have to be you know all the way up there. Okay, um, it's relative to where you are. So yeah. each student will seek the teacher that's right for them where they are. Now, if you haven't got past your body, right? How are you going to get to your mind? Uh, sorry, your spirit, right? Right now, this is how we do things in the West. But remember, we've spoke about this in other podcasts where actually in ancient martial arts, you started off with spirit and then the mind and then the body. Right. We don't do that in the West. Right. Because it's too far away. You can only lead somebody one to to the boundary and slightly beyond where they currently are in order for them to progress. Right. And that mindset of saying, okay, let's start cultivating spirit and then help heal other people's spirit. Let's start cultivating mind, heal other people's minds. Let's start cultivating body, heal other people's body. So you are a healer first, you're a self practitioner and healer first. Right. You get that experience and only then learn combat. Right. We don't do that that way. We want to go straight into combat and then try, try to work out whether our bodies are ready for it and then try and get our body into shape. Or what happens quite often is students will apply to learn martial arts and they'll say, hey, actually, I'm not fit enough. I want to go to the gym. And they'll go take up running, go blow out their knees and ankles and lower back, okay? And then come back and say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm fucking injured, yeah? Uh, it's because you went and fucking did something with, with a bit of overzealousness, with good intention, but you haven't had proper professional advice and training in it. You haven't done fuck all before. And now you've gone and shot your joints. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now you can't do anything. Right. <laughs> right. So it's whatever you decide to do, you've got to do it with the right guidance. Otherwise um, uh, you end up hurting yourself and the ankle knee joint problem, uh, hips and the lower back issues when people stay, all right, you know, I need to get fit, go to the gym or start running on, 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 the, on, the, on, on the pavement, you know, is the most common injury because that's people's idea of what getting fit is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but, yeah. You know, we always say, you know, you've got to make your, your training program specific to what it is you want to do. So if you want to become a professional swimmer, uh, then whatever you do on land is not going to be relevant to swimming. The only way to improve swimming is to get swimming training, get swimming lessons and practice that as much as you can in the water. Even Bruce Lee has a, has a quote around that, you know, he's like with martial arts, you know, he says, you know, um, um, you know, uh, practicing without a partner, this isn't verbatim, by the way, practicing without a partner is like dry land swimming, you know, or, you know, not sparring and not fighting is like dry land swimming. You know, you're never really going to know if you can actually swim. Um, so it's a kind of a flip um, yeah. a, a, an analogy I can give you to that. Uh, likewise, if you want to learn how to swim and you go train on the ground, it's not going to help. You need to get into the water and do it. It's, so, it's interesting, um, you know, when you were saying that they used to cultivate the spirit and then the mind and then the body. They used to teach you martial arts afterwards because there's a very 
uh, there's a Sikh tradition that is similar to that in the sense that when um, somebody was initiated into the warrior side of things, right, they were always paired up with um, a teacher, yeah, and they were always told that okay, you know, whatever goes on for you, share it with your teacher, and he's going to guide you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they would then, you know, uh, if something would come up, they would say, "Okay, I'm got these problems." And they would say, "Okay, no problem. Go meditate. Do it this yeah. way. Go yeah. eat these foods. Go do." They would guide them. Yeah. And then when they knew that, okay, now they've got a grasp and a kind of idea of what they need to be doing, then they used to hand them over the weapons and start to train with the weapons. They didn't yeah. do it before they had that exactly what you're saying. So, so it's quite interesting that these tra- ancient traditions have are pretty much cross culture right in any martial kind of background or knowledge or understanding they they kind of exist yeah and you know we go through these four ages right and um, uh you know we're currently in what's in the vedic culture known as kali yuga right or kali yuga right which is the dark age right um and um, the dark age is the least spiritual age right and then after that you go into the spiritual stage you know satyug right and so on so there's four 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 different uh ages that we go through and three of them are spiritual and one of them is not the one that is not is where we are now so that's why we're not starting with the spirituality first right that's not that's why we're not cultivating our spiritual uh faculties first we're starting straight in combat the lowest level possible but where's the responsibility right mm-hmm. you know when, when new students apply to learn martial arts one of the first things i do is uh, i do a questionnaire and as part of that questionnaire i ask them you know have you got criminal record and so, you know recently um, an applicant said to me he goes oh you know i always find that question interesting you know and i said you know uh, have you asked that have you have been asked that question by other martial arts schools and he said no and i said so it's interesting that you mentioned that but it wasn't in a context of applying to learn martial arts and i said well actually a lot of martial arts schools don't ask that question and they should ask that question and I, the reason i think it's important uh, and this is n- n- you know not denigrating any other martial arts school but the reason i think it's important is because there's a social responsibility if i'm teaching a psycho with a criminal record and violent tendencies martial arts skills that can injure maim disable or kill somebody guess what i've just armed a fucking lunatic mm-hmm. yeah right and uh, that's not i'm not going to let that happen under my watch the best of my ability people lie all the time and i've had people lie to me in the past and it's come up later right sometimes years later and i'm like oh shit right and i've had to get rid of people and you know their unsound mind and characters come out in really evil ways yeah uh, <clears throat> so um it's if they can do that to someone that holds their hand and guides them and they have love and respect and loyalty for and the moment they get busted all of a sudden they flip on you right imagine what they can do when they're out there in the real world right against somebody that upsets them and you're freaking just basically weaponized them yeah exactly all right so <laughs> this is this is the thing right so we've got to be really careful um but you know when you have got the right teacher and you uh, and again like i said all student teacher relationship are, are respective to where that student is in time where that teacher is in time and hopefully that teacher is a few steps ahead of the student even one step ahead is more in more than enough because that person can guide you that one step further you know that's, that's right. all you need um so but ultimately, you know, if you're going to want to aim for the, the highest state, 
then you've got to kind of find that you know but not everybody's going to start off there straight away and that's that's really the key point that i'm trying to deliver with this mm-hmm. um but you know what happens as a consequence of this is that actually and uh, um, traditionally, the students used to treat the senseis and sifus like God. They used to have that level of respect. You know, they used to do everything for them. You know, make sure that the you know the the senseis and sifus were not troubled. They had everything they needed, and really look after them. And any uh, indiscretions against the the sifu and sensei were really frowned upon. So you you know you see you see um, uh, movies um where China, especially the old chinese movies where you know you the, you know you've heard the comment saying you disrespect my sensei <laughs> you know, yeah. i must i must fight you <laughs> yes. right yeah. that's based on real real dynamics uh real social dynamics between the love and respect for a student and the teacher that's a beautiful thing right if you fight for you know something that's meaningful and good but just you know being in document and doing it you know off the back is just a bit silly right what's the the bruce lee movie you know where he's uh uh he comes back you know uh from from uh i don't know Mr. Fury, right? i think it's, it's Fist of Fury, yeah. yeah, and he comes back, and his uh, his sensei's died, you know, and he literally comes back to his sensei's funeral, you know, yeah, and uh, he's sorry, his seafood's funeral because it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a Chinese saying, right? Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> and uh, um, you know, they later realized that he was poisoned, and yeah. that's it. For- loses his shit you know that's right <laughs> and that's it he's got you know he's out of our blood man and you know he freaking like annihilates the whole fucking dojo da, 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 da. you know people exactly. are there's collateral damage along the way and yeah you know it's it's a typical example actually of uh of what the traditional meaning around uh and respect around seafood and sensei were but you know the one thing I would say is, you know, a modern day example is if people have watched something like um, Cobra Kai or the Karate Kid franchise, especially Karate Kid 1 and 2, yeah. um, um, which I think were the, the better renditions of it. And uh, and I also do like the um, Jackie Chan version. I thought that was f- f- fantastic as well. But um, <clears throat> uh, what what you know you do get an essence of that there but with with the with the uh miyagido and cobra kai dojos you actually see the duality there you know yeah. of, of uh, a teacher that's actually really coming from a humbleness humility he's a very uh, ascended teacher he's got his own human condition issues as well he's lost his wife and he's a bit you know fucked up around that you know he's still traumatized around that uh but on the flip side, you've got Cobra Kai, and these guys are hard, just hard in mind uh, and attitude, and it's it's where you know you you see the 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 students that join the dojo. They've come from traumatized backgrounds. They gives them some kind of meaning, but they're going about it in a very apathetic way and a really harsh aggressive way right and actually it's not soothing and healing at all it's actually hurting themselves as much as they're hurting others um so i think there's a lot of truth within that um 
you know, if you look at it deep down, it's wonderful, you know, as entertainment as well. And especially the, you know, the Cobra Kai uh, franchise as well. You know, it goes, it gets more chaotic as you go through the different seasons as well. And it, it kind of really talks to the, um, the fact that, you know, if you operate from that mindset, you're going to create a lot of fucking drama, right? And drama is the antonym to peace, harmony. Let's get yeah, this in yeah. You know, you. This is Maggie, though. <laughs> this is going to like. But it's and interesting it, the, the dynamic of how they actually bring those two opposites together. Yeah. And and it's almost like saying, look, you, you know, it's not just about the hard and the soft. It's it's like a combination of them, right? It's it's like literally bringing two the two sides of the yin yang together to say, actually, this is the ideal. You need that side and you need this side, but it's yeah. be the ability to know when to utilize it. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, and that's and that's the beauty of it all, right? Is is you can actually um, tangibly experience that by watching that, and you you know because you become absorbed in it, and it's emotional for those people that like it. There's loads of people that don't like you know that kind of martial arts kind of movie or franchise uh, series, uh, which is fine, you know, each to their own. Uh, but those that are into it, um, you know, they're absorbed, they love that the action, you know. Um, the emotional kind of roller coaster that you know that that it takes you on but you know you do start to you know think well man this is just unnecessary chaos and drama and actually there's even on the miyagido side you know um um uh I'm trying to remember his name now daniel uh, daniel san right daniel san you know he you know he starts to lose his his inner peace as well you know, um, because he's getting riled up by his inner childhood emotions, you know, his teenage emotions back in the day. And uh, this here is a grown man, you know, that's really got his shit together, man. He's a successful businessman, lives in a beautiful house. He's, you know, married to a, a, a gorgeous lady. He's got two two amazing kids. Uh, and he's starting to get off center because, you know, of um, these dynamics. So, um Again, you know, if it was Mr. Miyagi, you know, he would have brought him back to the center, which is why there's this beautiful, like, nostalgic relationship between uh, Daniel-san and uh, the spirit of his teacher, you know, which is kind of almost like, you know, ethereally guiding him when he kind of goes back, he goes back to Japan and tries to reconnect with things and things like that. Um, and and he has, a, like, a shrine to him as well where he kind of can meditate on him and with him and uh, seek, seek guidance through... Um, a deep ethereal messages, you know, uh, so that's quite beautiful. Um, so the other thing I wanted to also talk about is just moving on very quickly is Chodan. So the first degree black belt, right? Now the symbol for that is this symbol here. So for those of you that can see this on this, on the, on the video, you can kind of get a visual on that. Okay. Now it's made up of two characters. Okay. Um, when they're put together it's uh, on the left, so on the right is a knife, okay? And on the left is clothing. It represents clothing. And what this basically means is chodan or black belt means uh, it represents how when you make a new garment, you must first cut the fabric. And chodan or black belt, therefore, uh, does not represent mastery, but rather the beginning of creating the martial artist, i.e. cutting the new cloth. 
All right. So yeah. I think that's fucking really punchy because I didn't uh, know that one. That's new to me. Yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, when I first learned that, I had to write about it because uh, I actually wanted to put this is why I wrote this chapter <clears throat> this um, to help really emphasize the power behind the meaning of a black belt. But also it says, okay, not to put you on a pedestal, but actually this is just the beginning, buddy, right? You're just starting the journey, man. You're just starting to cut your character, right? Everything leading up to there was just for you to start to develop tools, right? Yep. So, so you know, to, I like to say, you've got this saying, you know, a punch is just a punch, you know? So it's <clears throat> learning martial arts. Uh, so what does that mean? What does that mean? So a punch is just a punch. So, you know, learning martial arts is uh, before black belt, <clears throat> you know, you've got to cultivate your skills. So it's like, I use a painter's analogy, right? So when you first learn how to paint, you need to learn how to hold the paintbrush. You need to learn how to apply paint onto the tip of the paintbrush, uh, then how to take that and uh, create different kind of effects on the canvas. Uh, you can have to learn how to mix a paint, how to use different tools to create different effects uh, within um, your uh, desired outcomes, for your desired outcomes. Now, um, when you get to black belt, what you're what we're saying is actually you've just learned how to use your paintbrush and all the different utensils that you use in painting and understand paint your your um your artistic um uh, uh medium uh to apply to your canvas uh to create the certain types of effects and so on. But when you get to black belt, that's when you start to express yourself artistically so what does that mean well that means that what are you drawing right what are you painting is it an abstract painting is it a portrait painting is it a, a landscape painting are you painting uh, flowers or are you painting houses or you know whatever it might be right that's your personal expression of the use of your tools but that starts all the way to black belts, just learning your tools after and utensils, and after that is actually expression. So that expression builds up over time, and the more experience you get, the more advanced you get, that expression becomes more graceful, right? And graceful means there's dexterity, there's economy, there's beauty, all right? There's fluidity, all of these ease, you know, uh, come out of it, right? <laughs> and um you know the i've got a saying that says you know before enlightenment a punch is just a punch during enlightenment a punch is no longer a punch and after enlightenment a punch is just a punch right mm -hmm. so you do it anyway but without thinking about it right um and obviously it's an adaptation of you know uh, before enlightenment you know you carry water cut grass during enlightenment you no longer carry water cut grass <laughs> After light when you carry water and cut grass, right? So uh, I try to adapt that, you know, that that saying um, to uh, to the martial art artistry, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, um, so I want to now, now move on to this. Um, so in Jeet Kune Do, uh, well, at least for Bruce Lee fans, you know, there's a really famous saying, right, that Bruce came up with, which caused a lot of controversy back in the day. Now I want to talk about this for uh, for a second, right? And this is uh, Bruce Bruce turned around 
And uh, you got to remember, man, this is late 60s, early 70s. And he turned around and he belted out this quote and he goes, belts are only good enough for holding up your pants. <laughs> <laughs> right. And he's referring to black belts here. Yeah? Or black belts are only good enough to hold up your pants. Right. So what do you think he's talking about? <laughs> so with, yeah, so I think... There's, there's also that thing you were talking about before, right? Where you got that element of, um, so we know with Bruce Lee, like, you know, getting stuck in a style or a way of doing things. Um, and, and there is this, there, it does happen that any, any, anything you learn, you know, as you're going to it and you hit a certain milestone, you think this is it and there's no other way to do things. Yeah. Right. And, Whereas, like, we know that the masters are basically open to it to actually say, no, this is just one path. Yeah. Um, so, in that kind of reference, I think Bruce is getting to uh, having a conversation about that you're rigid, you're fixed, you're in your ways, and all you're really, you're not really acknowledging and adapting, but you're just using your status almost to hold up your status. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, I, I, absolutely. But, you know, I think it's also a sign of the times as well. Uh, and I think specifically that's what we need to really um, bring home here. You know, during during the late 60s um, or even 60s and early 70s, you know, prior to his passing, the um, there was a particular martial art that was really popular in the States, right? We, you know, and, and States is kind of like the, the geographic location where this is coming from, right? Mm -hmm. And that is Kempo Karate. Now, or karate in general, but Kemper Karate was created by Ed Parker and not necessarily uh, Ed Parker's uh, Kemper Karate, but potential uh, karate schools um, that were churning out loads of students. Um, and the idea of um, developing a, um, a regenerative business was to have a process that you would take the students through. Now, the the what certain martial arts schools did was they lured people in to and kept kept hold of these students so that they would progress through the grading system, right? Uh -huh. And that grading system was a lure to keep them uh, attending the school and therefore uh, being in a constant state of desire for the next next belt. Yeah. Uh, so what happened uh, back then was, and this is what Bruce is talking about, is there were a lot of people getting black belts, but they couldn't fight. Mm. Right. <clears throat> now, that's not their fault. That's not the student's fault. Right. That's basically them being lured into a business process to extract money. Yeah. Um, so this is commonly referred to as muck dojos. Now, look, there's nothing wrong with martial arts schools running businesses and running this kind of grading scheme. But what happens at the end of this is you have somebody as influential as Bruce Lee turning around and saying belts are only good enough, good enough for holding up your pants is a massive insult to black belts. And that reason for that is, is because there's black belts out there that can't fight. Right. They don't have the fundamental minerals to go out there and actually uphold the values of what a martial black belt stands for. That's yeah. what we're talking about here. What yeah. does a black belt stand for? And somebody that has a black belt that can't do that. What does that mean? Now, when you see when you see a eight year old kid, that's a black belt on something. What does yep. that mean? Hmm. What does that mean? 
Well, actually, is that upholding the value of what a black belt means? Well, so it's been the process of that process. Yeah. Isn't it? It's a process of that process, right? So at a junior level, it's relative, right? But is that really what a black belt means? Mm. Now, I don't have the answer to that, but if I was going to be, you know, hard and fast about this, I'd say, no, it doesn't because it's just, that it's just a child. Okay. Yep. Yep. But then how do you develop a child program and then have a, exactly a that entices them to go along? So I get both sides of it, you know, yep. I'm not yep. saying it's right. And I'm not saying it wrong, but I'm saying that there is a, a core, right. To what the meaning and value of a black belt is. And the child is not there yet. And it's not the child's fault, but there also is a business process behind it. Exactly, exactly. And and it's interesting you share that, Lex, because if you look at, like you talk about the time and suppose the evolution of things, right? And how if we go back ancient times, we know when we used to have villages and stuff, there used to be... 100, 100, 120 people max kind of thing in each kind of town and village, right? Because that was quite sustainable. A group of that much is quite sustainable. And as we kind of developed, we started to get cities. We had more people in the space and and people's lives got busier. And you can still see it. If you go to a village, for example, it's like a nice chilled out, slower kind of pace, whereas you go to the city and it's a lot faster and moving and there's a lot going on. So if you if you look at those dynamics over time, there's this kind of just, I suppose, natural kind of movement where you, you kind of, you know, the old and the new all is coming together, right? And then something new forms. And when you look at it, is if people are going to schools, right? They're from a young age, like people, children go to schools, they come home, they got homework, parents are gone out. There's only a certain period of time in the evening where they can dedicate themselves to extra activities. And so forth and so forth. And then that time is used for martial art training. Uh, they're only going in, I don't know, commonly, like it's about usually about tw- two classes a week kind of thing, right? Some people do three, but generally it's like a, like, you know, two classes is what I, I think most people, but who, people who want to progress do loads more, right? Yeah. So you got this kind of uh, system going in place, but also then how are you tracking that? How can you keep an eye on these things as everybody's getting faster and moving forward? Then, you know, if a kid's going and he's been training for four years, okay, he's got to a stage that he's a black belt in within that yeah. system, yeah? yeah? But that's that system, that method, that process and methodology. And then you've got the other side of that, that is no method and no process and methodology. So when those two things come together, can you really fight, right? Yeah. Can you? And, and that's quite interesting, that evolution, because I think with as a business, you've got process, you're learning, you've got that side happening. And then Bruce comes along and says, Okay, I get that as a business, but no, it's not martial arts. It doesn't. It doesn't kind of fit that kind of model. Yeah, so yeah. there's that conflict that takes place there. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and at the same time, there's also the other element of it that you know, no matter what age you're at, you know, is the martial art giving you the ability to cultivate a better version of yourself? Yeah. <clears throat> and are you the best version of yourself for that age? Right now, again, very ambiguous and relative and open-ended kind of interpretations on this, but this is ideas that we're talking about here um, around that. And then there's, then there's the other aspect of it, right? Which is, again, you know, this is, this is, this, these are things that are going to provoke thought and this is okay. 
So I mentioned black belt. Can you actually fight with it, right? Can you actually use the combatives, right? But, you know, the biggest part of um, uh, Jeet Kune Do, for instance, uh, and it's the slogan, the quote that we use on the back of our school T-shirts is, the art of fighting without fighting. The highest form of fighting is love. Therefore, it's not to fight, but to dissolve and dispel aggression and conflict peacefully and lovingly, right? So um, will a child be able to do that? Maybe, maybe not. Will an adult be able to do that? Maybe, maybe not, right? Everyone's, you know, uh, working on that process. And that's, you know, ultimately what martial artists at the highest level is, you know, when we're reaching the highest level of state of consciousness, we're trying to get there. Um, and at the same time, it isn't a destination that you can get to. It's a constant evolution, right? It's a constant process of cultivation, nurturing, uh, uh, and uh personal and professional growth in all aspects of yourself, all aspects of your being, whether it's in personal relationships uh, with yourself and other people, uh, family, friends, relatives, um, uh, whether it's your personal relationship uh, with yourself in a work environment and professional environment, and therefore your colleagues and your, your, your professional expression within your, your career and vocation. Now, all of these things are not separate from us. They're all us, Right because it starts from you expressed inwards, outwardsly. And therefore uh, the black belt part of it is an evolutionary process. Right. And I think the key word is process. Process. It's yeah. Process. Yeah. I, I was going to, I was going to say in, in, in line with what you're saying there is that, um, so it's just a slightly different analogy that, it, it, you know, um, like most people don't, what I've been told is most people don't do a lot of reading, right? Yeah. Um, some people might do one book a year. Some may do 12 books a year. Some may do 24 books a year. And there's a saying, like, um, especially when we look at it, if you want to become an expert at something, the more you can immerse yourself in that topic, right? Then say, say somebody's never read a book on it and you read one book on that topic, you've got more expertise than that person now, right? But if yeah. you've read 12 books on that topic, now you're like almost expert level, yeah? yeah, because of your dedication and time. And it's similar in martial arts because if you're doing, you know, a couple hours a week versus someone who's constantly on it, like you're the MMA fighters, they're constantly on it. That's their routine. That's all they're doing is fight, 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 train, fight, train, fight. Whereas you've got, you know, the other side where you're trying to fit it into your schedule. So there's that element as well, like how much time and dedication are you putting into something right that helps you hone your skill yeah isn't it yeah, absolutely absolutely and and honing that skill i mean dr napoleon hill put it perfectly you know the he's a, the famous author of a uh, book uh think and grow rich um and um you know think dr napoleon hill actually was one of the uh, initial people um uh, that triggered this whole thing, martial mind power, right? It kind of mm. it was between, you know, teachings uh, that came to light with conversations that you, me, uh, you and me had based around um, Bruce Lee's uh, chief definite aim. Yeah. Anyway, I'm dig digressing a bit. But the reason I bring up Dr. Napoleon Hill is because he talked about this one word, which freaking is awesome, yeah? And this word is stickability, Mm. Right, having stickability, you've got to just stick to one thing. They say, you know, um, a great example, right? 
let's just say, you know, at school, you know, um, as you're growing up and you're trying to cultivate a skill, you know, you're not great at it, but, you know, you just keep going at it. And then there's somebody that's, you know, really good at it. Let's just say football, right? You know, you're, you're okay at football, but you want to get better and you keep training, but there's somebody that's really good at football. Anyway, as you grow, your body grows and everything, you might be getting a bit better. This guy's not doing any training, just staying where they are, just using the same um, tricks and tactics and strategies that they've always done. This guy's getting training, man. He's going out to, you know, football academy. He's getting better and better and better. You know, he's just sticking to it. Before you know it, this guy's professional, right? All right. I'm simplifying maths, but let's just say this guy makes professional level. What makes him different? The difference is this guy kept going, stickability, vested in himself or herself, kept going, kept going, kept going, kept going, kept going. So exactly what you said. If you want to become a specialist in something, you want to become an expert in something, you want to become an authority in something, you want that credibility around it. Don't seek that credibility. Don't seek that authority. Don't seek that specialty. Don't speak that ex expertise. Just fucking keep doing it. Simple, Practice. right? Stickability, yeah. man. Dr. Polly Hill yeah. nailed it right when he said that word. That's right. Um, so, so I want to talk very briefly about when a black belt is no longer a black belt. Okay. Um, now, what do you think that means? <laughs> when a black belt is no longer a black belt, it's it's almost like that thing. Uh, you know that. There's stuff they talk about where, uh, let's say, driving, yeah? So when you start to drive, you got no idea. And then yeah. you start to use your hands and your gears and your eyes and you look at everything. And then, you know, you slowly, slowly practice and all of a sudden just becomes symbiotic and it's just movement and it's going. And you're, you're doing things without even looking now, right, in, in, a, yeah. in a conscious way kind of thing. And you get to a stage where you're just driving, yeah? Yeah. Um, so it's 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 a bit like that as well. It's like you're learning the way you get into it, you got to a black belt, and now it's just automatic, it's just part of who you are, you know. Um, so it's similar to that. Spot on, man. It's that's that's a beautiful analogy, you know. It becomes part of you, it becomes second nature, it becomes a, a reflex, some people say. Um, but the second nature part of it, I think, is a beautiful way to put it, you know. Um, so uh, you know, in the beginning, a student sees a black belt as the highest level of martial arts is like, oh, I want to become a black belt, you know? Um, at the same time, just as a bit of a side note, a lot of people give up when they get to black belt, right? Because they think, mm -hmm. that's it, I've done it. I fucking reached the top. Yep. That's just the beginning, mate, you know? That's just the beginning. That's already, so true. already said, you know, you haven't even started to express yourself. All you've done is learned the tools and utensils and how to kind of put them together, right? Yep. Loosely, loosely, right? Uh, second is an aspirational goal uh, and third uh, is what people see as a role model and a teacher but you know not necessarily teacher now a writer teacher but not necessarily teacher why because it's a perception that is a role model and a teacher but no and i tell you why the reason is there's three stages of learning right uh, learning in the student position learning in the teacher position and learning in the observer position or examiner position right? When you get to black belt, you haven't started teaching yet. You might have assisted here and there, but have you actually taught, stood in front of a group and broken down techniques and explained them why, what ifs, when, how, and all of that kind of business, you know? Um, and as an assistant, even if you are an advanced student, chances are no, you're just assisting people with certain things or you're assisting the teacher as a crash test dummy, 
right? Which is what usually happens, yeah? They get the fucking pain, yeah? All right? Yeah. <clears throat> it's not until you start to actually teach, you start to actually uh, translate into steps that somebody else can follow in a group environment through your own understanding of something. So guess what you have to do? You have to break down everything you already know into, into simple, easy to follow instructions for a beginner to an intermediate to an advanced person to do, then apply progressions for an intermediate, advanced and uh, inter beginner, intermediate, and advanced person to do, and provide teaching points so that you're sharpening their sword and making them a better version of themselves in whatever that thing that you're trying to teach them. Now, if you've ever tried to teach something, even if it's simple, that you can do very well, but you've never taught it, and you try and teach it for the first time, you're going to fucking think about it. Because you ain't got it. You have not got it. You're not competent in being a teacher. You're actually very competent in being a student. Mm. Right? And then the observer is even more because not only are you um, observing how somebody's doing something, but you've got bigger fish to bigger fish in play, right? And I tell you what you've got going on. You've got to read the room. What's going on in that room at that day, right? Reading a room is a fucking advanced skill, yeah, that you get very good at when you've been doing this shit for over 20 years, yeah? <laughs> right? And I'll tell you what happens is you go into a room, you want to teach something, this is what's on the agenda, and the whole room has got completely different energy, they're not with it, yeah? And all of a sudden, oh, hold on a minute, okay, I need to, yeah. I need to adjust my my expectations of what I want to achieve and outcomes I want to achieve and actually align it to where the students are now and to bring them up to the next level. Maybe they've all had a fucking bad day at work or wherever, whatever might, might be going on. If they're kids, they might have just had a really hard day at school and what they need to need is something to re-energize and refresh themselves and, and then bring the energy back so then they can refocus that into something more constructive. Right in the corporate yeah, yeah. environment, uh, where where which is my sole focus, you know, I get a corporate professionals come in. They've, you know, there's days where they're just not with it, man. You gotta if you start teaching them a whole bunch of technical stuff, goes over their head because their mind is frazzled and fried. Yeah, if you've been in front of a, and this is through personal experience, when if you're as a student. If you spent all day behind a computer and you go and start doing some really technical reflex stuff, man, nothing's working. You're behind on timing and everything. Why? Because your mind is still freaking like, you know, focused on this computer and, you know, 20,000 words that you've read that day, whatever it might be. And actually hard, right? And it yep. doesn't work. So you've, you know, you've got to learn how to do that. You've got to learn how to read people's energy, read people's physiology, read people's body. Where are they? Um, uh, trying to read people's minds and all, what are people thinking at the moment? You'll be surprised mm -hmm. when you start to get into a higher state of martial artistry, you'll be able to read people's bodies, minds, and spirit. Or so let me put it another way, bodies, mind, and energy, right? Mm -hmm. so you'll know exactly what's going on and people think, oh, shit. You must be psychic. Well, actually, you are. <laughs> right? Yeah. right? We're all psychic, right? But you have to start cultivating that skill. But that's one of the highest levels, okay? So um, 
So there's that aspect of it, right? But during our journeys, right, towards achieving black belt, there's blood, sweat, tears, there's laughter, and there's highs and there's lows, right? Your skill is tested, your fitness is tested, your willpower is tested, your fear is tested, your character is tested, okay? Your maturity is tested, your perseverance is tested, your emotional resilience is tested, your self-discipline is tested, your fighting spirit is tested, right? Mm. And now the biggest misconception, the biggest misconception about being a black belt is something that you earn wrong, right? And the reason I say it's wrong is we live in an age, right, where you put your, you take your kids to school, you put them in a sports program, every kid gets a freaking medal, Every kid gets a certificate or whatever it is or a sticker, right? Every kid wins. What we're doing is we're creating a fucking generation of expectant people that they will expect it even if they don't perform very well. Yeah. Because these schools have got these fucking deluded ideas that everyone's a winner. Well, no, the real world doesn't work like that. The real world says that if you perform extraordinarily uh, uh, beyond everybody else, then you're something special. But if you don't, then you're not anything special and you're not really going to get the same privileges as somebody that stands Mm -hmm. out. Okay. Now that's the real world. So are we preparing our kids, the next generations for that? No, we're not. We're not preparing them for that because we're setting false expectations it's a it's a curse that's going to come and bite us back later in life because this generate or these generations are going to expect us to give it to them but if you look you've heard the famous saying you know there's no such thing as a free lunch right no one no one's going to give you anything for you to free you've got to go out there and earn it and you've got to go out there and stand out. You've got to go out there and make your mark. You've got to go out there and do something, give something to the world that's of value. And people say, yeah, take my fucking money, right? I want that, you know? But in order to do that, you've got to, you've got to have something special. Uh, so we're not necessarily doing that. So the black belt mindset is, uh, is not something that you earn or worse still, something that you expect. No freaking way yeah it's something you become Mm. something you become and that means it's part of you it's in your character it's in your personality it's in the way you conduct yourself where you treat others right how you do things your ethics your values your morality right it's in you is in your spirituality, let alone your physicality and mentalities, everything is expressing itself as the highest version of you and getting better each day as it comes because you're continually sharpening your sword. So, so with that, with that, you know, you've heard, you've heard Spider-Man's, you know, most famous quote, Mm -hmm. you know, with, with power comes great responsibility. Right. Um, So we're, you know, with the black belt 
mindset because it's a mindset first and foremost expressed through the body and spirit you know or spirit expressed through the mind then the body um you know we're learning how to serve and protect our family our friends our loved ones our colleagues you know uh yeah our community fellow human beings our fellow sentient beings right um our fellow uh mother earth okay everything that we're exposed to is to protect and serve them to uphold the values and virtues of your family and your employer uh you know as long as they're also virtuous of course you know um maintain honor and integrity be a leader with humility humbleness and lead by example always extending politeness and respect so coming from a place of compassion kindness and love Remember, we talked about that being mm-hmm. the highest highest state of uh, consciousness. Act consciously in all areas of your life, not just in the dojo. The dojo is just where you sow the seed and you water and nourish that seed, but you continue to water and nourish that seed outside of the dojo. Continue to sharpen your sort of self-mastery and then transcend those learnings from the dojo to everyday life. Mm-hmm. And that's you know, really where where you start to shine as a black belt people are like, wow you know and something special about you what is that well yeah. i use a black belt mindset and i'm a black belt in this uh and it's taken me years to cultivate but i'm actually the eternal student I'm, and i've only just begun and they're like it's wow. so true Lex. it's so true i mean you know you're sharing that i'm just like reminiscing going through my journey from the past as well right and it's 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 exactly that in that moment when the sensei said to me Okay, you got this. What does that mean to you? And it's it was funny because it's like you said before, like getting into it, it was like, oh, I have to earn it, right? It's like a status, an yeah. achievement of some sort. Yeah. So you work towards it. And we used to have something called the spirit test as well. During the grading, you just have the spirit test, which was testing exactly that. How far can you push yourself? Right. Yeah. And he used to do stuff like that. And then, you know, you, you go through it, you're going through your kind of belt system, you're getting, you got this sense of pride happening and you get to stage, you hit, you hit it. And then you think, okay, you've got it. But you, like you said, most people give up a stop basically after they've achieved it. Right. And, and I can remember that there was a time when I was learning and I stopped going. And I remember my dad said to me, why are you not going anymore? And I said, I don't, I don't feel like it. And he just looked at me and he goes, dude, I've spent money on you. Just get your black belt and then do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because he was trying to teach me to achieve. He was trying to teach me to kind of push yourself. Right. Yeah. And I was like, do you know what? Okay. That, that's fair. I'm going to do that. So I pushed it, got to it. And then it's like you said, got to stay. And then I went, now what? What do I do now? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And when the sensei said that as well, then it dawned on me. Then it dawned on me to say, no, this like, you have an expectation, but when you don't meet that expectation, then what? Right. Yeah. So you learn all these things along the way. Now what? Yeah. Right. And that thing you said about the knife and the, the cutting the suit, that's exactly what happened because now you start to utilize those tools to say, okay, how, what suit am I going to wear? What am I going to put on? What am I going to do forward, go forward with this? Yeah. Right. And then I got more into it. Yeah. Right. I got more into it and I thought, yeah, wicked. And, and, and I wanted to, and then I discovered you got this dance system. What's yeah. that all about? I was like, huh? So there's another stage? Like yeah. nobody talks about dance, right? They always talk about black belt, but they don't talk about what goes beyond the black belt. Yeah. So to come across that and think, you know, th- there's like a pro and a con. And one stage you're like, 
um, oh man, I got to do some more work now to get get better and reach a Dan stage now kind of thing. And then you kind of have this next level of growth. And then the other side is like, that's wicked. You got something to aspire towards. Yeah. Right. So that whole journey is just like, it's, it's what you become in the process. Yeah. Right. And what you've applied it because it was not just applied in the doji. It was actually applied outside. Right. Yeah. So all this stuff you're sharing is just like, oh yeah, I can see, I can see that now. So it makes sense. So thank you for sharing all that, man. And I, I, let me give you an example of how, how the black belt mindset helped me when I was a kid. I was uh, a little bit, um, I was actually quite ex- ex- extrovert. I used to show off quite a lot because when I realized I was good at something, I wanted to show people that I was good at it. And yeah. and my parents, in particular my dad, he was like, you know, stop showing off. And yeah. it kind of, like it went the other way. I became a bit of an introvert, right? <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh, uh, and um, I stopped doing that because I was taught it was bad to show off. Um and I wasn't showing off in a way that, you know, I was making out I was better than anyone. I was excited that I could do something like, you know, if I was doing tricks on a bike or whatever, you know, uh, BMX bandits back in the day, you know. And uh, <clears throat> um, then later on in life, when I started to uh, peel back the layers again or remove the veil, I started to realize actually what I was celebrating was what I was celebrating was myself. And as mm-hmm. I was celebrating myself, um, I've inhibit, uh, and I stopped doing that. I started inhibit myself. So, one of the things that happened was I was terrified about public speaking, right? Mm-hmm. Now that's not a problem anymore. And the thing that helped me get over that was martial arts. And the realization was that actually it was just, this came very natural to me, and I have been I have been I've learned to put a lid on it to try and suppress that so when i do do public speaking what happens to me is i get excited right and i get excited because my audience is my martial arts school Mm. right and i'm excited to lift them up i'm excited for them to reveal some of that light some of that spark and really get that to shine all right and you see it on people's faces their energies change their aura changes and while people might come in with like darker colored auras, right? But when they leave, they're all leaving like bright beacons of light. All right, mm-hmm. that might last for a short while, but they've tapped into it. They've mm-hmm. tapped into it. And they're tapping into tapping into tapping into it until they can maintain that more consistently. Okay. Um, so it becomes a really powerful tool, right? And how to apply that in areas of your life, other areas of your life, but not for you for mm. others now do, do you know do you know what's really also interesting on that side of it what well, you you were talking about earlier about what bruce said well how good can you actually fight yeah and that was another learning another learning because what happened was obviously you know studying like jiu-jitsu for such a long time and then the slight transition in between that was doing kickboxing and really enjoyed that as well and then what happened you know people grow move on the club moved and when the club moved, I was thinking, okay, what do I do next? Where can I go to another club? Found a different kickboxing club, right? Joined that club. And to some degree, it's like a different system and style. And, you know, so you're almost like, in a way, beginning again to some degree, right? But you obviously got skills that you carry on. And then you look at it and think, you look at their like, top student, yeah. right? And you're like, damn, that guy is good. 
yeah. right? So it doesn't matter you've got black belt in some system or style. You look at the dedication of the other person and think, damn, look at the dedication and effort this guy's putting in. He's fighting on stage, like, you know, for this country, yeah? yeah? He's like going into championships and all this kind of thing. And then you have to have, swallow a humble pill there and think, oh my goodness, like I've got work to do. Yeah. I've got work to do. I really have got work to do, yeah? And and that was not possible without that kind of open and uh, like you hit your learning or your thing and yeah. think actually there's still more to do. Yeah, uh, there's I, still more to learn. Uh, you you shared this amazing story, which is um, become a really big anchor uh, when it comes to um, uh, emphasizing the bigger picture. And this was. I don't want to repeat this story and it's going to come back to you, right? They say, and then you told me that when you put a group of martial arts students from different, different disciplines in the room, they'll all argue and bicker around which martial arts is better, which one's more yeah. effective, which one's, which one's superior and so on, right? But when you put a group of martial arts masters in a room, they will all talk about the commonalities, yeah. right? The point being, is that unification and collaboration is the key to greatest success, whereas a lowest vibrational state will separate, segregate, atomize, and break down things to the smallest unit until you're left with dust, mm. right? <laughs> it literally will crumble to dust, whereas on the other side, you are building something amazing, fucking skyscrapers, most beautiful buildings, palaces, right? That's what you build in there, right? On this mm-hmm. side, you got fucking dust, literally nothing, yeah? Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, that's taking the black belt mindset to a whole new level, right? Mastery, and, you know, Bruce, Bruce used to hate the word master because he he used to think that there was a common conception that master means you've attained it you've attained it yeah. yeah um but actually and i didn't use the word master for a long time uh until you actually realize a master is also in a constant state of learning yeah. but they just happen to have a very high skill level a lot of experience and a really deep level of understanding around that topic, but they're getting better as well, right? So master is somebody that's the eternal student as well. Uh, we're all eternal students. If you consider yourself as you're, you're learned and you've, you're done, this is, again, another Bruce Lee quote or a Bruce Lee um, piece of writing that talks to, you know, uh, when you're, when you when you become when you stop learning, you become stagnant and stale. When you become stagnant and stale, you're in a waiting room ready to die. Okay. Yeah. So um you, we have to be the eternal students, and there's always something we don't know. And there is uh, there is more that we don't know than what we do know, and we have probably forgotten more than we know right now. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Head around that for a minute, right? Exactly, exactly. That's so, that's so true because it's like even just listening and having this conversation, you just re remember things and you think, oh, yeah. And then you think, and then you, you apply that same thinking and thinking, shit, like what else do I not know that I could be doing now that I'm not? So Isn't much, it? so much, <laughs> so much, so much that it, you know, it, it, for you to beg the thought to think about it 
will do discredit to it because mm. you, how can you quantify what you don't know? Yeah, you can't. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Can't. And then, then if you've had a spiritual experiences like I have and do on a regular basis, I'll be honest with you, you cannot describe the indescribable because there are no words to describe it, first and foremost. Sanskrit is the closest language that can describe the indescribable, but it is still very difficult to put into words. Um, and unless you know a language like Sanskrit, which is an ancient language, uh, over five, 6,000 years old, if not older than that, um, you know, just to give an example, there's over 100 words for the, for the emotion of love different mm. of love 100 over 100 words wow. that's amazing that's amazing we've only got one word for love right? <laughs> most of that most of that is most of that when we talk about love people think about sex mm-hmm. right or they think about uh, let me give you an example right so there's love as in love making there's love as in a love between you and uh, your parents. There's a love between you and your siblings. There's a love that you have between you and your friends. There's a, a love of something. I love doing this thing, or I love my car, or I love whatever it might be. I love my T-shirt, you know? Mm-hmm. Then there is this concept when you're in a relationship, I am in love. I am not in love, right? I mean, but it's the same word, and that word, it's very difficult because it's contextually, it makes sense. But there are so many contexts that actually Sanskrit has actually got 100 words to describe these individual Each types of, of those love, ones. Wow. Right? wow. Which is amazing. Now, that's a powerful, punchy thing to say. Um, um, so the point being, you can't know it all, right? Mm. But you can at least try. Okay, you can yeah. at least try. And I, I actually would like to conclude on um, on this chapter, which is, you know, uh, full of emptiness. Um, mm. You know, we talked about, you know, the true meaning of a black belt. And um, I hope, you know, we've been comprehensive. Uh, you know, there's always something that we haven't covered. You don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just sort of throw that in there as a bit of a disclaimer. <laughs> but um of emptiness i'm just going to read this bit right so a black belt honors preserves and promotes the roots of their ancestral teachings they serve and protect their family against threats and this is a massive social and leadership responsibility during a black belt ritual a wudang tai chi grandmaster once said to his student now you are a disciple this is your home your business is our business and our business is yours Do you understand? And um, we go on to talk about, and as we sharpen our sort of consciousness using the whetstone of self-mastery inspired by martial arts to discover who we really are, we start to realize it was never about I. It was always about nurturing and protecting us and our greatest matriarch, Mother Earth. Mm. As Zen master once said, knowledge is learning something every day. Wisdom is letting go of something every day. A student full of black belt knowledge will eventually realize in order to continue on their path of mastery, they must empty their mind and leave everything they've learned behind, i.e. become a white belt again, so they are liberated to walk on. A black belt is a mindset which is full of emptiness. Wow. Wow. That's... um... 
that's a brilliant note to finish on because it's deep on so many levels. And uh, yeah, thank you for sharing on that, CP Lackloy. And that was, you know, from the book, Original Truth, which is available on Amazon, or you can go to marshallmindpower.com. Um, this book is great. It's great. It's got martial principles, mindset, spirituality concepts. You know, it's, um, again, we could do a whole podcast based on just elements of this book alone, right? Which we will, which we will. And it's only 137 pages, so it's a really easy read. It's quite thin, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's about martial living, or as the Mandalorian says, you know, this is the way, you know, how do you, the apply, <laughs> how do you apply the martial arts mindset, or should we say as context of this podcast, the black belt mindset into daily life. Right. Yeah. Um, so um, uh, for those of you that want to learn, this is the way the martial way. Uh, this is a, a wonderful little book. If I don't say so myself, I say that humbly as possible uh, that, you know, hopefully you can pick up some uh, really powerful uh, learnings on this, which you can then translate into um, uh, application in daily life. Uh, and ultimately with the um, highest positive outcome to help you become the best version of yourself to put your best version forwards out into the world in personal professional lives uh and really to go out there and shine people man this is this is your moment you know um as they say you know um if you can't change anything out there then change your attitude the best attitude to have is what we're saying here is or one of the best attitudes to have, if you want to put it that way, is the black belt mindset or the black belt attitude. Adopt that attitude and you could change the way you see the world and uh, the way you conduct yourself within that world. Um, and uh, I, I always like to think that, you know, if we can be more like Mr. Miyagi rather than, you know, uh, Johnson say, you know, we could, uh, <clears throat> we could actually um, really change the world you know, one person at a time, that one person being you, right? And uh, so be that change within the world. And uh, in, in an age where, you know, we're in the dark age, right? We want people going out there, you know, revealing their light and shedding some light in that dark space to dispel that. Uh, and uh, we can only but try. And here we are. Exactly. Fantastic, Sifu. Thank you very much for your time and your knowledge and wisdom. And on that note, we're all signing out. Until next time, see you again. Thank you very much. If you took some value out of this podcast, then please like and subscribe to our channel. If you feel this podcast will help a loved one, then please kindly spread this wisdom by sharing this podcast link with them. For more information and learning materials on how to cultivate self-mastery towards your self-realization inspired by martial arts and philosophy, please go to www.martialmindpower.com. See you in the next podcast.